Yeah, that's good. Good morning, Church at Loveland. Hope you're all doing well. So I came to Lloyd back in, I think it was November or so, and said, hey, I got a, an idea for a sermon. Um, thinking, of course, you know, as usually comes with those ideas, that here's an idea you can go and run with and have fun with. And um, Lloyd, as he usually does, is like, well, let's see if there's a time we can have you preach that. <laughs> and uh, God being who he is, took my little idea and said, no, go a different direction. And, and so hopefully what I've brought for you today will bless you and, and have an impact on your life uh, in a positive way. Um, we'll be looking at just one verse today, uh, Romans 12, 2. We'll, we'll, of course, have other verses that we look into and support, but the sermon is based just on this Romans 12, 2. And it says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Let's go ahead and uh, pray. Dear Father in heaven, thank you for blessing us with this time to come together as a church this morning. Thank you for your good word that you've given us in the Bible. And this time that we can spend studying it out, understanding your will for us, your good, pleasing, and perfect will, and help us to see how we need this, this message in our life today, uh, that we'll be able to grow and benefit from it. Uh, bless us in our time now, and I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. All right, I need a few volunteers. Oh, I see some hands shooting up over there. I can't go with my own daughter, so maybe Amelia, if you want to come up. Colton? Oh, no, Colton. Caslin wants to. Hold on, Caslin. Come on up. Here you go. Just leave it closed for a second. And I need one more. Heidi, you look like you're ready to do this. So, come on up. So these are new things of Play-Doh. I took the seal off the top. Uh, but before you open it, I want you to, to get an idea of what you want to make with that Play-Doh in your head. Don't tell anybody. You got an idea of what you want to make? Okay, just something that you'll, that'll be quick. Now go ahead and open it, and I'd like you to hand the Play-Doh to somebody else in the audience, but don't tell them what you have in mind, okay? So go ahead and open it up, take it out, and give it to somebody else. Okay, and you don't get to tell them what you're going to make or what you want to make. But I want, if you've got Play-Doh in your hand now, go ahead and form it into whatever you want. I got my own. Play with it for a little bit. Give it some shade. Okay, now I want you to give it to somebody completely different. Give it to somebody else, the whole thing, all the Play-Doh. And you can turn it to whatever you want. Shape it, form it, turn it into something else. Okay. 
And one more time, give it to somebody else. And they can take it, they can change it, they can shape it, form it into something completely different. Now, who had the Play-Doh originally? Heidi, Jasmine, Amelia? If you want to go take your cup and go collect that item, don't change it anymore, but go ahead and collect it from the person that has it now and bring it back up front. You got it back? Now, one really simple question for you. Does that look like what you had in mind to begin with? <laughs> no. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and let you take the Play-Doh back to your seat, and you can work on it as we preach if you like. So this, this example is going to come through um, throughout our day. Uh, but here's the idea. Uh, I like studying how people learn, how people think. That's kind of my job is metacognition is a fancy term for it. It's thinking about thinking. <laughs> how do you think about the brain works and how it's shaped and formed? And of course, what I love about it is that God has told us all along how this happens, but we get to learn and find out about it through science and studies and everything else, and just comes right back to God. And we've got our brain. This is my brain. The brain on the screen is probably a little better, <laughs> but it's shaped and formed by the things we do, the people we see, the interactions we have. And every time you do something, you say something, you experience something, you're with people, a little rut gets ground into your brain to remember that. And then if you do that same thing again, it forms a little deeper. And so pretty soon, we keep doing that. This becomes habit. And your brain remembers this is how this is supposed to go. This is how things are supposed to be. And so our brain is formed by those experiences that we have. <coughs> so where we are, we are conformed by the world. And each of those highlighted blanks that I had in the Romans 12 too, I went ahead and dug into the Greek and we we're going to look at that a little bit. So we're conformed. We don't want to conform to the pattern of this world. Conform comes from our Greek suschematizo, uh, I believe is how you say it, suschematizo. And it's resembling the fashion or form of. So we become like the world around us. Just like the world shaped your Play-Doh, for those of you that were volunteering. The world shapes and forms us, whether we want it to or not. The experiences, the people we're around, the impact physically our brains and how we think, how we function. And then we have this idea of the external forming the internal then, which is also within that uh, schematizo. The outside world does shape physically your internal self. A little scary, but that's how God has designed us. Then we have this world this word world, and I think it's aeon, aeon, I don't know. But what caught me about this is that it's not necessarily describing the physical world, but rather our time, our age, our era, the age or era that we're living in. 
And this brings up the point that we are spiritual, eternal beings that God's created. And he's saying, don't let this time that you're on earth shape and form you into who you are. You need to be careful with that. Be careful with your time here because you're bigger than that. You're more than that. The world isn't as much our enemy as it is this eternal view that we need to see, that we're bigger than this. We're more than this. So we, uh, those of you that were in Sunday school this morning took a little test. See how many of you have been formed by these different things. At first I was afraid I was petrified. <laughs> you know what the next line is, right? Can never live without you by my side. Any questions on any of those? Any of them like stumpy like I don't know. That's all right if it is. Uh, let's, do a, let's do another test. Um, if I say, all right, stop. What comes into your head? I heard collaborate and listen. I heard hammer time. Which is it? That tells you a little bit about your influence, right? And what's been around you, what you've been influenced by. Um, no more rhymes now. I mean it. Okay, so we've seen Princess Bride over and over. <laughs> Somebody get it wrong? <laughs> so, nobody at your table got it? This is proof. And these are simple things, but this is proof of how the external world forms and shapes who we are and what we think of and, and what our automatic response is. Um, some Bible verses to go along with all of this. 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Uh, should be a memory verse if it isn't for you. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. The bad company literally shapes our brain, doesn't it? Yes, it is 1 Corinthians, not Matthew, as I was trying to quote it last night with my family. Um, Psalms 1, 1. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. This one goes a little further for me and it says, it's, it's not just don't be around those people, but don't act like them either because you can act like them without being around them. Proverbs 6.27, then we've got our picture there that fits this verse nicely, I thought. Can a man scoop fire into his lap without his clothes getting burned? The answer is no. You can't be around bad influence, negative attitudes, any of that without it literally changing your brain. You can't be with that fire without it shaping you. This is a challenge and it's not something that we can't overcome with God's help, but we need to understand the very real threat that comes here. Um, I've got a, a video that I want to share with you. It's, it's all about a woman's experience and what it's like when you try to change your life for the good, but you don't rely on God and, and how well that works for you. So uh, if you don't mind playing that, who's in our, who's, what's in our control? I was raised in the church and my parents, um, they taught us about the Lord, my brother, my sister and I. When I was in seventh grade, my parents dropped out of church, not really sure the reason. So slowly we just became immersed in the world. 
I was in ninth grade and I met a guy that I fell madly in love with. It wasn't long after that that he started to become very jealous and threatening and abusive. All the innocence that I ever had was lost. About a year later, something just finally, you know, snapped in me and I had enough. I turned all that hurt into anger and rage. But little did I know that that anger and rage was, you know, going to be set down deep for a long time to come uh, that would cover the hurt that I didn't deal with. A couple months after I graduated, I found that I was pregnant. And my son now, his father, did not want me to have a baby. So I really tried to talk myself into having the abortion because I couldn't even fathom not having him in my life. And he came to pick me up. And when he came to pick me up, I told him that I could not go with him. He drove away, and there I stood, just absolutely devastated and heartbroken again. I remember laying in the bathroom floor that night, probably for four hours, just crying and sobbing and you know, begging God to help me. And so for a little while, I walked with the Lord. And slowly but surely, I uh, just became involved with the world again and the friends and the guys and uh, didn't didn't know how to let God be Lord of my life. I only knew how to let him help me and fix my problems. And I really believe it was that time in my life when God handed me over in a sense to my choices and to, to the way I was living. I realized my life had pretty much come full circle and I was dating at 28 years old, the same kind of guy that I had started dating when I was 14. I had gotten nowhere in all these years. There was no peace, there was no joy. And I remember just being on the ground, just, just this, not even a voice, but just this idea of look up, look up at me again. Because I had not even thought to look at God for, for years. And he slowly called me back to him. And in that process, I met my husband now. And he and I decided as a couple that we were, would pursue God. Because when I met him, it was, again, a choice to either look to him for, to fill my needs and what I, you know, what I was looking for or to let God be a part of that. I just decided there's no way I could go back to not having God. She had a change of heart. She sought God. But then she let the world continue to form her eventually and fell back into that trap. But I think this story is probably all too familiar for many of us to say, wait a minute, I came to you, God, I repented, I asked for forgiveness. But you helped me then, and now I'm kind of slipping back into the old ways. I'm slipping back into that old being formed by the world around me. And so... This is, this is the hurt that we're dealing with. And, and she obviously struggled with it, like many of us have. Um, she couldn't do it on her own. She needed reliance on God. And, and as she talked about it, it's with him. It's the journey with him. It's not just the help me in my moments of troubles, help me in my problem here and there. So we move to our next part of the verse, um, looking at how we'll get there. Or, yeah, sorry how we'll get there. And we've got the word transformed. 
we need to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And the, the transformed uh, in the Greek is optimus primo. No, it's no, no it's uh, metamorpho. This is complete change through God. And I think we've got to stress that, that it's through God. You know, we can change. We can think about things. We can change habits. We can start to, you know, trace some new neural pathways because we're thinking about it and acting differently and behaving differently. But is that the right pathways? Are those the best pathways and habits to be developing? Or do we need to be connected with God so that when we're making these new pathways and digging these new ruts in our brain, that they're good ruts, that they're the right ones that help us to change. Um, Instead of relying on our own willpower, when it matters most, God matters most. And we need to be connected with him in building those pathways. Uh, So talking a little bit about how that works, there's deliberate practice. There's this intentional action of doing what's right and what's best. Um, When I read a a verse up here, there's uh, several members of this audience that stand up as that Bible verse is being read, and they've started developing this habit, right? Is that, that's, that's a habit that they're forming. They're getting these neural pathways going. I'd say that's a good one. I'd say that's a positive one, absolutely. When we pray, when we read our Bible and do memory verses, all of this is like getting those new pathways. We're allowing God to change us, so that's what comes to our mind. Um, it doesn't happen magically. So how we'll get there, deliberate practice, doesn't happen magically. God is required to change us from the inside out. So the, the idea that I originally had for a sermon came from a lady that spoke at our Blended Summit. And she was talking about uh, this, this idea of a, an onion and being like an onion. And how she, when she became a Christian, she expected that magical transformation. I am now a completely new person. I am the person that God needs me to be from this moment forward. And then she sinned. She fell back into some old ways. Not everything. It wasn't like completely turned away from God and went back to everything. But there were things that just kept coming up. And she's like, I can't win this back. Um, but over the years, those she was able to work out. She was gradually able to come to be a better person. So if I asked you, are you a better person today than you were one year ago? I would hope most of you say yes. Five years ago, yeah. 10 years ago, yeah, and we can keep going depending on how old we are. But if you look back to that point of conversion in your life, when you became the new Christian, And if you said, if God changed me in that moment to the person I am today, could I handle it? I think it would be challenging. I think, I mean, ultimately, that's where we need to be. But through those trials, through those struggles, God gives us these difficulties to build our conviction. Would we have the same conviction we do now if we instantly were now perfect? I think we have to work on it and we have to let God help design and dig in these ruts 
so that now we are the better person. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that when you become a Christian, it's okay to go and sin, right? That's, that's going back to those old ruts. But I'm saying when they happen, we shouldn't let Satan steal our conversion, our baptism. Because that's what he wants to do. He wants to take that moment of conversion when you said, now I'm focused on God. And he wants, oh, you just, you just messed up big. What was that all about, that baptism? That, what were you even thinking? That didn't matter. That wasn't real. You need it again. And God is saying, let me transform you. Let me take that rut. Let me help you heal it with forgiveness, with mercy. And help me, let me help you dig some new pathways, some new ways to make this, this work for you. And so we have some more Bible verses, Acts 2.38. Several know this, I'm sure. Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, or the Holy Spirit. It's death to the old. It's the beginning of the new. And now we're saying, God shape me, God form me, help me become that new person I need to be. 1 John 1.9 If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. We need to continue to confess. And there is something that does happen in the brains when you confess, when you say, I I sinned, I erred here, I made a mistake. They've actually done studies on the brain where you can say it heals your brain when you confess. And unless you confess, your brain doesn't heal and that rut is the path you're going to go down. And you might develop some new ruts to try to hide it. But you don't heal until you confess and God can't start working on that new path and that forgiveness. 1 Timothy 4.15 Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see you progress. This passage comes at the end of a, well, a letter to Timothy, right? Where Paul is saying, here's your instructions, how to live a holy life, how to be the leader that you need to be, how to set an example for the churches that you're around. And he's saying, be diligent, be intentional, make these your habits that everybody sees. And he's saying, make progress. People should see that you're a better person today than you were a year ago. And they should see that next year, you're going to be better again. Let them see your progress because you've done the hard work of building those habits. So where are we going? We've got a a few more Greek words here. Renewing. We're renewing our mind. And uh, again, anachinosis, maybe. (laughs) But it's... It's actually our adjusted moral and spiritual vision. This one was another where I read that and I was like, it's the vision. It's not the renewing of the mind and I am now everything I need to be. No, it's no God saying, look over here. Oh, okay, that's where I need to be going. Why do we need continual renewal? Because I'm coming to you, God. No, 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 over here. No, over here. And God's got to adjust me, right? 
I need that continual renewal of my mind to be going in the right path. Then we have <laughs> Dokemazo. <laughs> and this one just cracks me up because it's proving toward approval. Like, okay, that's kind of a obvious, but here's the deal. It's still a process. We are continuing to prove ourselves to be on the right path with that approval of God as our ultimate goal. That's where we're going. We're going the right direction. And then teleos. And this was at the end of your, your Sunday school, Matthew 5, I think 48. And it talks about be perfect um, even as God is perfect. Uh, this one still throws me a bit. Because as I looked up the Greek definition, it's the consummate human integrity and virtue. And that word human threw me. And I took it as God does not expect us to be God. He doesn't expect the perfection of God to be where we end up. We are children of God. He's created us. He's got a perfection in mind for us. But we're, we're going to be working on that. It's a process. And it's the perfect human. I, I suppose we have a perfect human example in Christ that we can look to. But it's, it's not this unattainable God. I don't have to become God. I, I need to be the perfect person that God has created me to be. Um, so where we are going, let's look into the Bible. Romans 2, verse 4. Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance, patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you towards repentance? Uh, looking at this again, I think his kindness, his trials, his uh, struggles that you live in your life, all of it is there to get you back to God. Whether it's kindness and mercy or it's the struggles and trials that you need. It's all intended to say, wow, this is where the direction God wants me to go. If we're paying attention, if we're looking for it, we'll see it. Titus 3.5. He saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. I like that last piece there by the renewal by the Holy Spirit. Salvation is this continual thing. We have our moment of baptism where we are, I'm committed to you, God. I'm killing the old. It's done. But now I need renewal. And how am I going to get there? God says, here's a gift. Have my Holy Spirit with you. Let him help you in those moments where you struggle and you need to get back on the right path. Ecclesiastes 7.20 then. Indeed, there's no one on earth who is righteous, no one who does what is right and never sins. Just a, a reminder for us. Perfection is the goal, it's not the reality. With perfection being the goal, when I sin, I've got to confess, I've got to repent. Got to seek that forgiveness and I've got to get renewed in my mind to say, put me right back on the right track, God. 
Help me get out of that rut. Help me get into your rut. So let me read Romans 12 to one more time to you. And this is a, a, a little Greekified. So probably can't quote along with me and I've got to read it. Do not be externally shaped and formed to this era on earth, but be completely changed from the inside out by God in character and conduct by the adjusted moral and spiritual vision to the counsels and purposes of God that you may prove towards God's approval what is that good and acceptable and consummate human integrity and virtue that God wishes us to have. We can simplify that and we can say, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Be, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Romans 12, too, gives us a good pathway of what God wants us to do and where he wants us to be with what we experience and the things that we do as habits and in our everyday life. So where are we now? Recognize that you're conformed by the world. It's happening. It's there. We can choose our influences and what we're around, but we need to recognize that that is a, an influence on our physical beings. How we get there? Be transformed. Let God start working in you and change those habits to good, positive habits that will help you. Where we're going, we need that renewal of the mind. We need to be connected to God. We need to be connected with the Holy Spirit who gives us that renewed vision and puts us back on the right track so that we can continue to prove to God I'm on the right track and I want to be in your perfect will. I want to be the person, the child of God that you've created me to be. Um, the man who wrote the song Amazing Grace, like most of the old hymns especially, uh, had trials in his life. And I, I, we'll share a video here to close up. But it's powerful to see how the world can form you and shape you and say this is where you need to be. And that through God, we can eventually work out of that and become what God intended us to be and become something much greater. Um, I'm wondering if we got their Play-Doh. Are you guys still working on your, your Play-Doh? Does <laughs> it look closer to what you wanted it to be now? Awesome. All right, let's go ahead and play that uh, video and then I'll close us out with a prayer.
Dear Father in heaven, thank you for the beautiful Sunday morning you've given us and this time together as a congregation. Help us today as we, we go out into our, our lives that we'll remember the grace that you give us and the kindness that you give us and the, the path back to you that you've provided. Help us to see the, the influence of this world and how it impacts us. Help us to seek you for the transformation that we need and the renewal that we need to, to stay on track. Bless us in good time of fellowship and, and fun until we can meet again. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You're dismissed. Going to dig in.